0: Well, we are uh, on a series we're on a series called This Is This Is You. And the whole focus on the series is that for us to possess our destiny and possess, possess our purpose and our mission in life, we really got to figure out who we are and really who God says we are. We talked about a mandate that's over our life whether you like it or not. It's a go mandate. It's a sending mandate. It's an apostolic mandate. He is the priest and the apostle of our faith. And so there's a sending thing that's what the word means. Apostle means sending on our life. We're, a, we're, we're go people because we're called not just to sit and contemplate our neighbor and cook hot dogs and scratch the back next to you and uh, just go rich and deep in fellowship. I love fellowship. I love Christians. I love spending time with Christians and I, I enjoy you, but that's, you know, my mission is to stir you up and encourage you and point you to what God wants you to do with your life. And we have a mission to fulfill. And we talked about that you are adopted last week, that uh, you're not just a a slave, a servant, and following slavish laws and rules, but you're a son out of gratitude that's following Jesus. And you're in the family. You're secure. God has covered you. He loves you. His eye is on you. He's a father. And all the nature of fatherhood that is from God's heart towards you, you're experiencing. Secure in that. Today, we're going to talk about that you are gifted. You know, I worked for a number of years as a youth pastor and actually a Christian school teacher and a public school teacher. So I've had a lot of experience. I've got about 20 years of youth ministry under my belt. And one of the things that we know when we're working with young people that the challenges they face, especially if like 12 to 18, is that they go through a great identity crisis because they haven't quite figured out who am I. And so they get with a group of kids and and, 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 and no one thinks that they're really trapped by this, but they are. If you kind of look like this, and you kind of act like this, and you kind of talk like this, and then you can be with us. Now, the group that says you can be with us will accept you. Uh, they got their own insecurities because that, that's their criteria because they're insecure. So everyone's insecure, and we got these things called cliques. And when I was a youth pastor, I thought it was so funny when parents said, you know, there's a lot of cliques in your, your youth group. No. No there's clicks everywhere you get me 50 teenagers clicks are going to take place because of this 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 thing of security that's in them they got to grow up we we think that they're 30 years old they're 15 year olds. They're 14 year olds. They're, they're, they're trying to find themselves. The hilarious thing, after I've pastored now so many years, is we think you grow out of it. I know a lot of adults that don't grow out of it. They still got the same instinct. They don't know who they are, so they're trying to be someone else. I work with hundreds of pastors. I, maybe, maybe I could say thousands of pastors around the world. And when I'm with pastors, and I'm going to be with some this next week. And I'm working with them, they got the same issues as teenagers. They got, you know, it's just hilarious to me. We get around a table and someone has like an iPhone 7. You know, within two weeks, all the other guys have iPhone 7. Now, the hilarious thing, they don't even know how to open it. <laughs> you know, the latest gadget, the latest thing, but I gotta have it. If I have it, man, I'm cutting edge. If I have it, man, you know, I am something. I'm going to grow my church. It's going to be great. And so one guy has a fog machine. I like fog machines. It's kind of cool, kind of a steamy, kind of a fake Chicana Glory thing. And um, that's cool, kind of a concert thing. I'm not against it, I'm not critical, just being funny. Okay, but, you know, if I get that, man, people will come. You know, get that, get that, do that, do that. So there's this inability for pastors to be themselves. And you say, well, those pastors, Bob, they're really messed up. Well, we're messed up, okay? They just got called being messed up, okay? And so we're, we're dealing with this, this identity that paralyzes us because we don't understand who we are in God. And we're going to be looking today, at, we're going to be going to 1 Corinthians 12 in a second, and I'm going to be breaking down 11 verses for you, the first 11 verses of that chapter And if you look at the teachings of Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 specifically, it's about variety and it's about diversity. Very much. Because God wants us to know that he has created each of us in our personalities and just our natural makeup uniquely different. And on top of that, he works through his spirit through your life in a unique and a diverse way. There is variety. I'm reading a great book right now called Boys in the Boat. And people have read that book, Boys in the Boat. Great book. It's about the, if you, don't, if you haven't read it, you need to read about it. It's about the rowing team of 1936, the University of Washington, who actually won the national championship, qualified for the Olympics, and beat, beat the Nazis in Berlin. All oh, from the University of Washington. My dogs. Okay, so... <laughs> But it's a great story, story of personal conquest and obstacles that some of these young boys who came out of poverty and the depression and what they had to overcome to actually get to that particular point. And uh, what's interesting about rowing is I'm kind of learning about the sport. First, the boat, you know, it took them like a year to make each boat. And they're just like the mastercraft. They're only about two feet wide. These boys are like 170 pounds, you know, like six foot 170, and they got eight of them rowing. And you got a guy that actually is a key person called a coxswain. And basically what he does, he's the guy who yells out orders. He's the only one on the boat that can see the opponents. So he knows to go faster, pace it. It's a long race, sometimes two, three, four miles. And so he's got to keep the pace and tell them what to do and keep the rhythm. And, and he also has to steer. He has to steer the rudder. So really, the race is lost and won many times by this role this guy called the coxswain. He can only be, he's like the disc jockey of this, not disc jockey, but the jockey just jockey. That's the guy on the radio. He's like the jockey who races horses. He can only be like about 120 pounds. He can't be heavy. And he's got to be strong because you got eight boys pulling hard. And you got to steer that thing with the rudder. And you got to have brains and instinct. And you got to be able to actually tell these eight guys to get in line. Do this. I want 36 strokes. Ten strong ones. Slow down. We're taking it down to 25. And he's got to steer it look at the internet. Sometimes he even has intimidation things he does to psych out the other boat. It's a really unique role. Well, in, in this 1936 team, there's this kid named Bobby Mock. He grew up in Montesano, Washington. He was a wannabe athlete that never made any team, except I think he made basketball his senior year. But he had a brain that wouldn't quit, and he was physically tough. He played sandlot ball. He loved sports. He just wasn't athletic. There's some of us like that who love sports, but you know, If I jump, you can hardly put a piece of paper under my feet. That's how high I get. (laughs) This is what it is. And so you, and, and this kid, he graduated though, valedictorian of his class, went to the University of Washington, and he wanted to do sports, so he wanted to be the coxswain of the team. And so here's a guy who was strong, tough, not real athletic, but he could hold that rudder brilliant had a baritone voice and he had a brilliant intelligence and he knew what to do and it was him who got this team moving to the next direction and moving forward so it wasn't the brawn it was the brains and the spirit and someone had that spit determination and a small guy that actually determined the gold medal sometimes you look at yourself And you say, you know, it's not like Bob or Ben or Pete or someone else or, you know, uh, Maggie or Pasquale. I, I, I am, I'm just me. Well, little old you could tip the scale. Little old you could rock the world. In a way, you being just you, the anointing is in you. It's who you are. And so we're gonna be talking about this as we as we look at these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now here we go. First Corinthians chapter twelve, and read now the ESV, the English Standard Version. I thought it was a good it's a good version, basic English, modern vernacular, know these, thou's their verily's and all that stuff. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do want you, I do not want you to be uninformed. And a lot of people are uninformed about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were pagans, you were led away or led astray to mute idols, however you were led. You know, prophecy and oracle gifts were not new to Greek culture when the New Testament was being established. It it was a part of their cultic practices in the temple's. Priestess would be oracles and prophesy all the time. And Delphi, which is this high place in, in Greece where they went, especially to have these encounters with their gods, the priestess, by, they, they described by gases coming out of the ground, actually got kind of intoxicated and uh, you know, hallucinogenic and you know, started in trances, you know, prophesying things. So it was very much a part of their culture when they came to Jesus. That's why Paul is talking about this. However, you were led by these demonic forces. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. And I don't know if that was happening in the church or Paul's just trying to make a statement of, the, of how, one of the tests of, of whether a, a manifestation of the Spirit is of the Holy Spirit or something else. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you're confessing Jesus and declaring Jesus, I want you to know the Spirit of God is in your life that means you're blood-bought and God's working and you may read your Bible upside down you don't know your right hand from your left hand in the Bible you may you may you don't understand a third of the terms that we even talk about around here I mean but you have the spirit of God in you and God's doing something special in your life now he goes on to say here now there are varieties of gifts isn't that interesting but the same spirit there are varieties of service But the same Lord. Now, when he's talking about Spirit, he's talking about Holy Spirit. When he's talking about Lord here, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God. He's referring to God the Father. He's declaring here what we know as the Trinity. Now, let me just stop here on the Trinity. Trinity is a a basic statement of faith describing the nature of God that's been in the church since the first century. That we have a God who expresses himself. In three distinct persons, but yet they're, they're distinguishable, but undividable, they're one. And it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Paul, everyone's trying to describe this thing, what this looks like, and you know, it's, it's, it, we guys, we're finite, God's infinite. Okay, we can't really, with our pea brains, really grasp it. Paul said it this way. First, Corinthians, first Timothy three sixteen. Great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh and he was preached among the Gentiles he, he suffered and he was received up into glory okay so it's a mystery how that happened if Jesus and God like heaven was empty when Jesus was on earth you know where did the voice come from like in Matthew 3 and Jesus comes out of the water John the Baptist sees a dove coming down upon Jesus and then we hear an audible voice saying this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased well if Heaven was empty when Jesus was on earth. Then what, was Jesus a ventriloquist? Was he coming out of the water? This is where the Lord's sign. Who am please? No, that wasn't happening. It was the Father confirming the Son. Jesus says, the, up to now, the Father's been working, and I am working. They work in conjunction. So Paul's talking about a unity of the Godhead working, even in the operation of gifts of the Holy Spirit that take place in the church and in the streets, that God is working together. Now, why is that important? Because now God wants us to work together like he works together. But it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. God is empowering everyone here in your distinctive. Now, there are varieties. going on? I have a little double slide here. It's kind of nice. I did this last service. Keep going, keep going. There we go. For to one... I'm going to go back here. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time reading. my. I didn't read the bottom part. But it's the same God who empowers them all, everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one. Each one. That means every one of you has a manifestation of the Spirit in your life. And it's for the common good of other people. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. individually as he wills and so who initiated this thing that's in me who started this thing that started this activity in me god did well i don't like it i don't like the way he deposited this thing in me i don't like the price i have to pay i don't like what it brings i want you to know something he says from heaven i don't care i chose you i put this in you and you're going to use it for my glory. It's, it's my idea, not yours. My will, not your will. It's what I'm doing, not what you're doing. It's my work, not your work. And so here we are on this whole thing. Now let's just kind of dig into the, the background of 1 Corinthians 12. And by the way, the, those gifts that were listed, I don't think it's an exhaustive list. I think Paul's bringing a description of variety there. So there's other things that God can move besides those nine. But I'm going to talk about those nine just a little bit today. In the background of 1 Corinthians 12, 1, we can understand the, what the motive is of Paul in the first verse where he says, I do not want you to be uninformed. A lot of people today are uninformed about how the gifts of the Spirit operate. One of the reasons is because a lot of people have not experienced these gifts, so it's hard for them from an outsider in to, to say, well, this is what was going on. They're scholars, but sometimes even in their scholasticism, they miss it because they haven't experienced it, especially in this subjective experience called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul didn't want them to be uninformed. One of the things that they were wrestling with is they saw whatever God was doing in me as an end in itself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, I want you to be zealous for the best gift. In other words, don't look at what's happening to you as an end in itself, but whatever you need more to do what the Father's told you to do. Go after it. Don't settle in. That's that one thing. The other thing that they were doing is that they really didn't know how to the proper use of it. They, their services were very rude, very chaotic, very confusing. And so Paul needed to kind of straighten that out. Another thing that was taking place is they had wrong motives. They were, they were using these gifts to boast or to exalt themselves or, or show themselves spiritually superior to other people. Versus being motivated to serve other people. They also put a value on these gifts over love. I mean, you know, that's why Paul said, you know, if I you know, give my body to be burned, or I have faith to move mountains, or I speak in the tongues of men and angels, and I do not have love, I am nothing. And they, they put gifts over love. 1 Corinthians 13 is in there, not for weddings, You know, the old Peter, Paul, and Mary song. You know, we've been called here together, blah, 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 blah. Okay, no, it wasn't for Peter, Paul, and Mary. It wasn't for weddings. It was for how to operate in these gifts. We should be driven by love. And the greatest thing that we should go after in life is not even the gifts that are in me, but to love. These things pass away, but what remains? Faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is what, church? So my pursuit is to be a more loving man. That's my highest passion and priority in my life. And they also had wrong values. They had a caste system. That you know that this gift is more important than this gift. You know, you see a little 120 pound guy just wet behind the ears. Doesn't have much strength to you know pull a row, but that coxswain in that boat is what won the gold medal. You see, we may not think the significance of our role, but you might be the difference in this church with just who you are and maybe what you perceive as the most insignificant thing. All gifts are the same. So let's talk about three things we need to know about how the Holy Spirit works. One, the Spirit empowers the human personality. God's not here to change your human personality. God's gonna work through your personality. Your personality is a gift to the church, and so he's not gonna... You know, mark that out of the way. We have these personalities we put on in, in our segment of Christendom called Pentecostalism, and, and we put them on. We put on these anointed personalities. Remember, this guy used to prophesy at my old church, and every time he did, he always knew that he was going to prophesy. He always kind of hunched down about a quarter, it's was kind of about a quarter, I mean, 45 percent angle, 45 degree angle. You know, he always undid his tie. We had to wear ties in those days because the, the Holy Ghost came on those knots. And uh, his tie was down, collar open. You know, he always kind of came because he was carrying the burden of the word of the Lord. You know, God didn't make him like that. God makes you, you. You just minister who you are, the way you are. If you're lighthearted, minister lighthearted. If you're kind of a serious type, you're a serious type. But he wants to move through your personality. So the Spirit's not going to be compulsive and take over. You're in control of this thing. He's going to work through the person that you are. I think we get really confused about, quote, unquote, a term we use called the anointing, the Spirit's on you. And it's just he works through human personality. He said, in the beginning, he says, you were led away to those idols. In other words, they had gone into cultic areas where they were overcome by demonic spirits and idolatry, Paul says it's different with the Holy Spirit. Second thing is the Spirit confirms what I'm going to call creedal faith. He says, no one can say Jesus the Lord except by the Spirit. let me just tell you what creedal is. Creed means an affirmation or a declaration of a truth that the church believes in. We have the Apostles' Creed. We have the Nicene Creed. We have the Athanasian Creed. These are different creeds in church history— where scholars and early church fathers got together with the Bibles and the Scriptures and came with an extraction, this is what we believe. And that's been handed to us. Christianity is a historical faith. It's not just, oh, the Spirit showed me. It is a historical faith. Something has been concretely handed to us that cannot be contradicted. And so if the Spirit's operating, the Spirit is going to be creedal. It's not going to be, you know, we believe in one God, Father, the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But it's going to be consistent in its theme with those declarations. The Spirit and the Word agree. So, yeah, this is why any new thing that takes place, it's always, you know, Bob's always kicking and screaming, jumping on the last minute, because I'm the protector of the flock. i got to make sure it's creedal. i got to make sure I'm not taking you into a ditch i got to make sure it's life-giving. i got to make sure it's not hurting. The Spirit is going to be creedal. The third thing we understand about how the Spirit works is that the Spirit glorifies Jesus. That Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, 14, He said this, he said, "He the Spirit will glorify me. He'll take what is mine and he's going to declare it to you. He's not going to glorify Bob McGregor. He's not going to glorify some man's ministry. He's going to glorify Jesus." Glorify Jesus. And so the Spirit's here to glorify Jesus. The way he does that is he uses all of us, not just one of us. I'm not just some one man spiritual war machine here. Kung Fu Bob. <laughs> Now, he goes on to say varieties of gifts and varieties of service and varieties of working. Some of you in, your, 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 um, in the, your, your versions, they'll say it's varieties of ministries or varieties of activities. Let's break this down because what Paul is saying is the nature of God is unified. And so if that's the case, the church needs to reflect that nature. It needs to be unified in its diversity. And so he talks about varieties of gifts. What is a gift? A gift is a supernatural ability the Spirit gives you that you did not deserve. You just got it. You say, I'm going to get really holy so that God will give me a gift. No, the gift comes by grace. The very word for grace in the Greek is charisma, which comes from another Greek word is charis, which means grace, which means unmerited favor. So it's like a bracelet, like a bracelet, bracelet. God's putting this bracelet on you that you didn't deserve. None of it. He just chose you. That rascal there, I'm going to give him that gift. That screwball there, I'm going to give him that gift. That guy has got a lot to work on, I'm going to give him that gift. He said, well, man, I mean, I'm kind of not together, and he gave me that. It's free to receive, but if you really want to glorify God, it's how you use it that's going to glorify God. But that's what the grace is, supernatural abilities. Just people just have supernatural abilities. I pray with people, and they're kind of like getting healed, and I pray with people. And they say, well, how did you know that when I was praying? I just pray, I was praying. I was praying. They, how did you know that? I, I don't know. There's a gift. It's the way it's supposed to be. How about this service or ministries? Are some of your translations. There are varieties of, of ministries. You know, What's that all about, this this ministries thing. Well, the word ministries, there are activities in some of your translation. That particular, that particular word is the, is the same word we get the word deacon from. And notice he says, and it's the same Lord. We're talking about the same Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. And so I received this ability that I didn't deserve because God wants to me to use it for other people. And then there's the third word, this variety of activities. The, the Greek word is the word we get energy from, or miraculous energy, or results that come from miraculous energy. So let's break this down, what this looks like. I receive a gift from God that I don't deserve. I use it not for myself. I use it for you, for your good. And when I do, I release the miraculous in your life. And what we want to do is get City Harvest Church to be a church of daily miracles. For that to take place, I have to have daily servants operating in their gift by the great energy of God, so he would be glorified. Does that sound like kind of a cool party, that we get to have God on earth doing all these things? All you got to do is be obedient to what's inside of you. Now, Bob, why all the variety? Why, why, why can't I just be it all? One woman, one man, army. Because really God wants to get the glory at the end. And so God's not going to give his glory to one person. If God graced me with everything that Jesus is, then that's kind of dangerous. He, he starts exalting me up to a place of semi-divinity. And we do that. We don't, don't we do the holy man of God myth? You know, He's here. The great man of God. Jesus never wanted that. He just wants to be glorified. So he, he gives a little bit to me and a little bit to you. And maybe he gives a little bit more over here, a little bit less over here. But he still he, he spreads it all out. And he wants it all to be used. Because in the end, he wants no flesh to be glorified in his sight. He wants to be glorified. Everyone then has something to give. Paul said in verse 7 of chapter 12, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, two things I want you to know. Everyone has at least one gift here. You got one thing that God has deposited by His Spirit in your life if you have confessing Jesus is Lord. It's in you. Second thing, you're not limited to that. Because what's in you is not a gift. What's in you is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit possesses all gifts. And so, He may want to move in you in an exceptional way in a certain area that maybe you don't normally move it, because he needs to use you to meet that need. So don't just settle on that one gift. God, yes, he may have ways he moves in you, you know, more than others. But, you know, you're all out there and you got a guy having a heart attack at your house. You're calling the paramedics. You ain't going to be able to call the elders of the church to anoint them with oil. He'll be dead by the time the elders get there. How about your hands, your faith? You call out to God. You're somewhere that no one else can get to. You minister whatever needs to be met. Minister to that person. Person says, I don't know what to do. You got to call Bob. Well, Bob is, you know what? He's sleeping. (laughs) And I ain't going to wake him, Sue says. That means I got to kind of give him a word of wisdom. Think of it. You actually tell that person, well, this is what I think you need to do. You need to do this. Person goes, doesn't, and bam. that it worked. It worked. Who gives a rip about Bob? We release a church to pastor a church. Now, I love to pastor people, and I'm not saying that not to come to me. But I'm not omnipresent. I've learned that. I'm not all-knowing. I know that. I'm not all-powerful. I've learned that. I learned only God's that. It's embarrassing to me when I fall asleep on people when I'm, I'm counseling in my office. It's just. Bob Stricker, who was one of our ushers in the church, his dad, who was the first dean of the Bible College, Portland Bible College, he, when he was in the Midwest pastoring young pastors, he was a very straightforward Midwest straight shooter, and this pastor would be pouring out his heart to him, and he'd go, now, brother, brother, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do here. I want you to hold that thought. I'm going to close my eyes and take a five-minute nap. And I just want you to hold that thought. This is a true story. And he would close his eyes. And the pastor would be sitting there, the guy's taking a nap right in front of him. And then he'd wake up five minutes later. No, where were we? He'd say, well, what is that? That's called Authenticity. That means a guy just, you know what? If I'm going to be best for you, I got got to recharge a little bit here. (laughs) I got to recharge. Come on. Everyone has something to give. Now, why has God given me these gifts? It's really simple because Paul says, for the common good. And I want to make this statement. I want you to listen to me, and I believe this 100%. You are a gift to the church, so, your gift that you have does not belong to you. It belongs to the church. And here's the heart, here's the, here's the pill. It's going to be hard to swallow. And the church, not me, I'm not talking about me or the elders, the church can make a demand on it whenever they want. Thought we'd get kind of quiet. But I have boundaries. I can't do that, 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 can't do that. I don't believe in boundaries. Don't get me wrong. There's times to rest. There's times I have other responsibilities, my wife, my kids, my health, my sleep. I have boundaries. But you know what? What's turned in boundaries has been, I'll determine when I serve God or not. No, the church will. When You got need crying out. You just can't sometimes just go off shopping. When there's people are in desperate need, You just can't take a weekend trip to the beach sometime do I believe in weekend trips to the beach love weekend trips to the beach I haven't taken one in a long time but I love them I love vacations I I love doing different things I I, I do but my gift belongs to the church not me I can get off a plane and Uganda and Joseph meets me and we got hundreds of people are waiting in chairs for you to prophesy over All right, Can I get a one hour nap. Get, you can wind me up, and I'll, I'll start going. Just give me some matoki little sauce on. It's kind of dry sometimes, Joseph. And then let me, let me just start prophesying, I'll do that. I'll serve you. Because my gift doesn't belong to me. it belongs to the church. There's a price in it. Now, oh, come on, what are these gifts? Well, real quickly, we're going to rattle through these things very quickly just to kind of give you an insight. There's, there's, there's what's called the the, the, super, the wisdom, supernaturally knowing what to say or do. So you use it in witnessing and counseling and, and mentoring and praying for people. You just, this is what you need to do. And, or you're saying something to someone, Just, it just it's just as a wisdom thing, it just triggers something in them. Knowledge, it's, it's the supernatural reveal, it's supernatural information revealed to meet a need or, or fulfill a purpose. You, you know, I'm praying for you. How come I see this? this this roof off of a house because the wind came and blew the roof off my house yesterday there you go god wants to do something for you well, where did that come from from heaven from the holy spirit you know the word of knowledge that things that are impossible to know come so people know that god is near them god sees them and god's for them god wants people to know that he wants to break through all the voices and all the depression and all the stress And he wants to come down in there and say, son, daughter, I'm here. How about distinguishing spirits? What's that? Well, you know, to know what spirit is in an operation. I mean, there's the Holy Spirit, yeah, but there's the human spirit. My imagination, my ideas, my agenda, my kind of opinions, it's just me. Who do men say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples. And then there's also a demonic spirit jesus said to the first pope get behind me satan that was peter i'm being facetious here because they think he's infallible the pope peter peter had an agenda and so the enemy was able to get through there and put a thought in peter's mind to sway jesus away from the will of god come on we we gotta distinguish now disclaimer don't go around with your demon scanner don't go around around the church checking people out. Zach, I discern something in you. I, something. It's not good. I have a check in my spirit. Well, cash it. Cash it. Had a kid come up to me at a wedding that was a student over at Temple Christian where I was the principal. Oh, this was probably about seven, eight years ago. and uh, No, it was actually at Nick and Brittany Solshide's wedding. And he came up to me. And he says, Bob, I hadn't seen him for a while. And I know that he had some rough times in his life and he was serving Jesus at this time. Remember that time you pulled me out of chapel and these kids had these cardigan pullover sweaters. Remember those charity? They pulled them over your top and, and white shirts underneath. And I pulled this kid out. I don't even remember the situation. Because I said to the kid, you remember when you chewed me out? I said, I probably chewed you out a lot. <laughs> knowing this kid. Knowing this particular time, he took me out of the chapel. And I had brought to school in a baggie, I, you know, a bunch of pot in this, in this sandwich baggie, and it was in my pocket. And you pull me out, and you're pointing, you're, you're punching me right here, right on the bag. And you said, I don't even remember the situation. He goes, and you said, Sean, I don't know what's going on with you, but you got demons all over you. <laughs> punching the bag of pot. He says he was so shook up, the fear of God hit him. And <laughs> Come on, whatever it takes, you know. <laughs> whatever it takes. Faith. Now, this is not like, I don't have the gift of faith, so I can be negative. No, 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 no. It's beyond normal faith. We'll have faith. We'll have to dig in, believe, confess, and trust. But this is a surge of a faith beyond faith. I've, I've had it happen a few times in my life. I can name times when I've had it and the miracles that followed when I knew that I knew that I knew and I just had this swelling faith that was beyond me. And maybe you've had the same experience too. Faith. We've had healings. No, it's plural. Not just healing, but healing. Some believe that there's, some people have a special just a faith in areas of certain sicknesses. This is relieving the suffering of disorders and diseases. Maybe you get their white blood count back down or you know, we, we you got virus leaves the body, or bacteria leaves the body, the inflammation leaves the joints. Okay, something happens. Something happens where the body is changing and fever leaves and you're touched. But then it goes beyond healings. There is miracles where you go way beyond nature. Power beyond the ordinary course of nature. I mean, I mean, I, I, I always get tickled when people put somebody in a chair and they got their heels lined up like a chiropractor and it's one inch off and they yank their right leg and make it even the other one. Man, there's a miracle healing right there. No, it's not. You just practice chiropractic. But how about if they don't have a leg and one grows? Try pulling that stump. It's kind of a good visualization, isn't it? prophecy, speaking God's thoughts and heart to a specific people and place. God beams down his thoughts on you and you speak what God wants to say at that moment and that time. Then we got this one called tongues. I know it's a big divisive thing. Some of you come from backgrounds that don't believe that every believer should speak in tongues. I want to encourage you to speak in tongues because I think there's a difference in Scripture between a devotional tongue and 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 a public use of it. Because Paul said, I can keep it to myself and pray to God and I build myself up and I can sing in it and I can speak in it and, but don't do it in the church. In the church I'd rather speak five words of understanding. He said, I wish you all spoken tongues and forbid not speaking in tongues. So don't don't use that as an excuse. But he's talking about someone giving a message to the congregation here now. And speaking a message through an unknown language to one to one speaker. I don't know the language that I'm I'm speaking in. And there's there's a church in town here, the pastor's a friend of mine, where he had somebody, I don't know if it's still going on, where he had somebody who spoke, stood up, spoke in a tongue. He had somebody else who interpreted, and he had somebody else in his church who knew the natural language of the tongue the person spoke. So they spoke this language, the, the guy, not knowing what he was speaking, this particular lady spoke the language, and this person interpreted So when they interpreted, the one who knew the language could confirm that's exactly what was said. I you are know, kind of like, do, 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 do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, woo. Come on, we're not playing a game. God is with us. God is with us. Of course, the interpretation of tongues is interpreting the message. Now, why we must sup- respond to God's sovereignty and His choosing? Because the Bible says that God has, he has a portion to each one individually as He wills. This is God's initiation. He gave you a gift with a purpose, and you're going to answer for what you did with that gift. He gave you a gift, whether you like it or not. You say, well, you would love what God gave you. It matters the price tag that's tied to it. There are price tags tied to gifts. Your lifestyle will change, but still, he's given it to you. We think Mary felt like? Hey, yeah, you I know you're a virgin you're, in your society, you know. You get pregnant out of wedlock, you get stoned. You know, and so look at, man, you know, Holy Spirit's overshadowing. You're pregnant. Great, great. This is wonderful. Great wedding I'm going to have. i explain this to Joseph, and, you know, I'm pregnant. We haven't even come together yet. And, you know, I'm going to tell everybody, God got me pregnant. Yeah, they're really going to believe that one. You see, we got so holy when we're reading Luke 2. And the angel Gabriel came to Mary. No, no. You're pregnant, and you've never had sex, and everyone's going to think you're a harlot. Great plan. I think this is cool. Finally, she just said, you know, be it unto me according to your word. I surrender to your gift. Why do, why do we hold back? Well, fear. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of being wrong. Fear of displeasing God. I want you to know God's displeased when you bury it and you don't believe. Yeah. He'll take your frailty. He'll take your shortcomings. He'll take your, all those things. He'll take you that you're shaking on the inside and you're ready to wet your pants. He'll take it all. Yes. But he'll honor you if you obey him. unbelief we don't think it's for me or we don't think it's for today or we don't think it's in the church unbelief you just your whole expectation i've prayed for people and they've had things happen they say, i want you to know i don't believe in what's happening to me right now (laughs) what's happening to you i mean traditions can so block what god wants to do in our lives and then of course distraction Man, I'm just hobbies and Little League and soccer and Pop Warner football and, you know, petty problems and remodeling my house and we're just so stressed. I mean, we have to go down to the beach this weekend and we've got to paint our room and, you know. <laughs> those are big problems in Cambodia, huge problems in Uganda. Remember being, last time I was in Uganda, two times ago, there was a lady just kind of sat in the street and just laid down someone asks, you know, what's going on? Well, she's probably either exhausted from just not eating or she's just quit. We live such a cushy lifestyle. But it gets us so distracted. We, and uh, you know, I think it's good to enjoy the Seahawks today and come on. We want them to beat the Falcons. You're a Falcon fan here. God bless you. There's a door right there. You can go. <laughs> that's there go out the side door that way (laughs) it's fun to have parties and take a little trip and see places and I love to enjoy life but you got to put it in a category where it's refreshing and renewing me not dominating me how do I know how do I know what he wants to do well you got to receive it this is for me this is for today this is for the church second you got to You gotta, you gotta recognize it in yourself. If you receive it, thanks, guys, for getting up here quick. Thank you. You you caught my cue this time. I didn't cue you, but you knew I needed you up here. Embrace this thing for yourself. You got an urge, got a surge, you got a thought, you got something moving you. You got a passion, you got compassion. You have something that just moves you to do something? Don't mistake it for your own imagination. Don't mistake it for what you ate last night. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Move on it. And last, you got to respond. Step out and follow it. So I'd like you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask Ben... To wrap this up, he knows what to do. I'm going to ask you to do something in a few minutes, in a couple seconds here. I've got to take my brothers from Uganda to do something. I've I got to come back and preach for a Latino. But let me just pray real quick. Father, I pray you release the activity of the Spirit of God in every single person here. They would discover their gift, and they would move in it, in Jesus' name. Amen.